Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Coming up on today's podcast. To me, the heart is so symbolic, right? And here we see that the Eucharist is the heart of Jesus. It's just incredible to see that and to know this has been scientifically proven. This is written in a peer-reviewed journal on PubMed, and it's been preserved for over a millennia. Which is absolutely amazing. Welcome to the Spirit-Filled Media Podcast with Deacon Steve Greco. Today's episode is the first of a two-parter as Deacon sits down with Ray Grahalba, a millennial engineer who, along with his wife Anne-Marie, launched a YouTube channel a few years ago to highlight a passion and cause they believe in deeply. Without giving too much away here at the outset, let me hand it over to Deacon Steve. Hello, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco, high atop the Tower of Hope at beautiful Christ Cathedral. And wow, I am so incredibly excited because we have a gentleman on the show, Ray Grohalba. He's a young adult who is totally in love with Jesus Christ and totally in love with the Eucharist. And his ministry, The Joy of Faith, says it all with that name. I love the name, by the way. And he, yeah. the title today is Eucharistic Miracles, because that has been a focal point for you. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you, Deacon. Great to be on. I am really excited. God has been showing himself in so many ways, and uh, I, I look forward to sharing with the audience the amazing science behind the Eucharistic Miracles. I'm happy to be on. Glad you invited me. Uh, it's so wonderful. And you have a beautiful family. I know I've seen pictures. Uh, can't. Hopefully one day I can meet them in person. But Anne-Marie, yeah. uh, you've been married how long? Uh, we're going on five years. Wow. Wow. And then you have twins. There we go. Twins. One-year-old twins. We do. I- identical twin boys. It's really funny. I-, I tell people on one of our first dates, I asked my wife how many kids she wanted which probably isn't a best first date question, right? But I, I did it anyway. She said, one at a time in God's time. And later <laughs> on, I would joke. I was just kidding. But oh. I would joke and say, good, because I don't want twins. Oh, wow. And then, obviously, I was kidding, but when we went and saw the ultrasound and we saw that there are twins, we were like, wow, this is amazing. So Pray God, God is so generous. God is so good. God is so good. And with God, all things are possible, even twins, right? Bottom line is this, you're just passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Tell us about your story. You know, it's really amazing. The Eucharist has been key. I actually met my wife for the Eucharist. That's a long story, but pretty much I was your typical uh, Catholic young person. Went to Mass every Sunday because that's what my parents said to do. You know, I always tried to do, you know, be a good person and whatnot. But what really changed my life was going to Eucharistic adoration and realizing in the silence that my identity was not based on what other people thought of me. My identity was based on Christ, right, being a son of God. So that changed everything for me. I used to be really introverted. In high school, I was always afraid to talk. I didn't want to say the wrong thing because I wanted to be cool and all that. And then I found out who I was, and uh, now my closest friends I've met by chasing down after Mass and things like that, because you know, really, there's nothing to fear. And if we really want to spread the faith, who better 
to become friends with than those that are in our parishes that, you know, we see every week, but we don't know who they are. It's by really getting to know those in our parish that the body of Christ will be visible to everyone and uh, will, I guess, be, be known more for our joy, which is really why I started the Joy of the Faith YouTube channel that my wife and I do. So it's amazing. God has been, He's revealed Himself in so many ways and shown really just where to go and what to do next. He just continues to open doors, and, you know, being on here today is a great blessing. Are you a cradle Catholic? I am a cradle Catholic, yes. It wasn't until I turned uh, 19 that I really started to embrace the faith. There are a lot of reasons, but basically I saw faith as just something that older people did, and uh, it wasn't really necessary for life. Then when I really started to dive into things like Eucharistic Miracles, I saw the truth behind it, and uh, I'm really grateful to be able to share this today. It's, It's powerful how one of the things I find so beautiful about the Catholic Church is that we recognize the difference in each person, right? Some people are really wired for science, right? Some people are really wired for face-to-face communications. Then, then we have introverts that we are all different types because God is so creative. To me, this is something that's been very powerful in my life. And then all of a sudden now you're in this ministry that it seems to be exploding. So how did that all happen? I mean, here you're very scientific and, and very logical and very systematic as an engineer. And then all of a sudden, you've got this great ministry going. Yes. So, you know, I, I obviously it's all the Holy Spirit, but my wife was a great influencer because my senior year of college, I was one of those guys, I thought, you know, I'm never going to lead a Bible study, that's just not me, things like that, which I'm sure some of you listening might think that as well. Like, I don't know my faith well enough, things like that. But I was in adoration one day, and it was like, you need to lead a Bible study. So I did. And uh, we lit it on the rosary, where that is in Scripture, so basically meditating on the rosary by reading the verses in Scripture that correlate to each mystery. And it started out with three guys. That was really humbling that, you know, I'd done all this work, and that there were just three of us, right? But two years later, I led one, and we had like 30 guys at one of the studies on the Eucharist where we talked about Eucharistic miracles. And my wife said, Ray, you know, you need to make videos on the stuff that you're preparing because you're spending a lot of time and you're going to forget it. So sure enough, I did. And God has been so been three years since we started the YouTube channel, The Joy of the Faith. So just a couple of months ago, we had 600 subscribers. And as of today, we're at 18,000 subscribers. So it's really blown up. A lot of it is due to a video I did on the Shroud of Turin, which you know correlates what happened and what's in the Shroud to science that a lot of people really enjoyed. I've done some videos on Father Mike Schmidt uh, and Fulton Sheen. Those are some of my uh, heroes, I guess, in the faith. So. It's been really incredible. So I, I work full-time uh, at Lockheed Martin. I studied engineering, but I just transitioned into program management. But it's really amazing how God has used my wife and I to share the joy of the faith with others. And it's, it's priceless, I'm sure, Deacon, you know, to see people halfway around the world that I'll probably never meet in person saying, what you shared has really helped my faith and given me the hope to persevere. So that's really, again, a great blessing of being a Catholic and realizing that God can work through us as vessels to glorify Him. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for Ray Grahalba, who has said yes to you, and yes to, to this ministry of Joy of Faith and focusing on, among other things, Eucharistic miracles. It absolutely broke my heart, Ray, when I read that survey, that study, that said approximately two-thirds of Catholics do not believe in the real presence. I believe that God has raised you up 
at a time when the church desperately needs more faith in the area of the Eucharist. To not believe that that is the real presence is so horrific for me because they're missing out on the blessings that Jesus has in store for them. Why is that so critical? I was also heartbroken. I could not believe that. I actually, I have an eight-year-old sister, Christina. She's amazing. She has such a strong faith. But at the time, we did a video a year ago, and I said, Christina, what percent of Catholics do you think believe in the true presence? And she said, 100%. And I said, no, 33%. And you should have seen her face drop. She was so sad. You can check it out on on our, our YouTube channel. But you see where Jesus preaches childlike faith, how that is so important, because I mean, I'll be honest, the teaching of transubstantiation is a very hard one, and I think that's why so many struggle with it, because today we see that there are many intellectual people out there, or, or, you know, people in general, they just want to rely on facts, science, things like that. We just want to cling to what we can measure as the truth, right? And that's done somewhat empirically through science. But transubstantiation is something so different, right, where... If you took that consecrated host under the microscope, it would still be bread, but it's Jesus at the same time. And uh, Patrick Hoffman, he used to be the host at Catholic Answers, he said that Albert Einstein was mind-blown by this concept. So here he is, one of the smartest people ever, even entertaining that thought. If we really do believe Christ, and if Jesus said, this is my body, we must believe that it's his body. And Eucharistic miracles are a great blessing to show us that, okay, you don't believe? Here's an instance showing that this is actually my body. From the earliest of times within the Church, the Church believed in the real presence. You can even go to the catacombs in Rome and see pictures on the wall of the Eucharist. If you take a look at John 6, of course, the famous Bread of Life discourse, Jesus said to them, Amen, Amen, which means really important. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man... And drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And then verse 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Was Jesus kidding? Was Jesus just talking symbolically? No, from the earliest of times, read the writings of the church fathers. From the earliest of times, the church believed in the real presence of Jesus Christ. We're focused on Eucharistic miracles with Ray Grijalba, who has a ministry called the Joy of Faith. And part of that ministry is letting the world know the truth about Eucharistic miracles. So we'll start at the beginning. What are Eucharistic miracles, Ray? So Eucharistic miracles are moments where God reveals the glory of the Eucharist. So there are several different types. Some of you might have heard of uh, St. Anthony with the donkey. That's an instance. St. Clair of Assisi, things like that. But what we're going to focus on today are where the body of Christ changes into the literal body of Christ. So as Catholics, we believe, you know, transubstantiation, that when the priest says, this is my body, that bread is no longer bread. Christ's body is now there. A great example I've heard is that, you know, when Jesus was living, if you saw Jesus, you would see that he was just a normal man, right? You wouldn't see his divinity, but his divinity was there. Just as this bread is still bread, 
but the divinity is there. The divine body of Christ is present. But in these instances, the bread transforms into tissue, and we'll go into that. So it's really exciting. Now, have these miracles been studied scientifically? And let's take one. uh, Is it uh, Lanciano? Yes, yes. So the first one was in the 8th century in uh, Lanciano, Italy, or Italians pronounce it Lanciano when I Lanciano. Uh, <laughs> exactly, Lanciano. You got to have your fingers in the air when you say Lanciano. Molto bene. Yes, exactly, exactly. And Deacon, you've been there, right? Yes, I have been there, and it takes your breath away because it is real. It is Jesus right in front of you. And tell our audience what exactly what it is. Yes. So what happened was in the eighth century there was a priest who doubted whether our Lord was truly present in the consecrated host. When he said the words of consecration, the, this is my body, during Mass, he saw parts of the host turn into flesh, and the blood, you know, was in the child, turned into blood. So the thing that's the most amazing is that the flesh is still on display, as we mentioned before. The bread that was once there is, is now disintegrated, but you can still see the flesh that's within the monstrance. So this past October, my, my wife and I and uh, our twin boys went to Rome, and we said, we have to make a trip out to Lanciano. Because my whole life, I've always been moved by that. My mom taught me growing up, you know, going through CCD, that this was really the body of Christ. And we can see Lanciano as an example. And it was studied scientifically. You can actually look up the article on PubMed, which is maintained by the United States National Library of Medicine, which is the world's largest medical library. So if you speak to any doctor and you say PubMed, they know what you're talking about. So for the first time ever, the results are on YouTube, so you can uh, see that video on my Science and Faith, the Joy to Faith YouTube channel. But what they discovered in 1970, there was this Dr. Adoro Linioli, and he analyzed this. The first thing that was amazing is that he found that there were no preservatives on the supposed flesh. So that shows that it hadn't been preserved or anything like that. Now, flesh lasting 1,200 years almost. It's pretty impressive, isn't it, Deacon? Oh, it's unbelievable. And it is so real and and so present. It looked like it was like yesterday. It did. It really did. And you can see the almost shimmer of light. There's a texture to it that you can see even through the monstrance. So we saw that it wasn't preserved, that it was human blood and type AB, which for those that know the Shroud of Turin, there was AB blood found on the Shroud of Turin. So it was cool to see that correlation. He also discovered that the tissue that was there wasn't any tissue from the body. It was heart tissue. Praise God. I, I'm going to just stop right there because our ministry is called Spirit-Filled Hearts. <laughs> we focus on the heart wow. because the greatest journey in the world is 18 inches from the head to the heart. The transformation, the road to Emmaus, the disciples were saying, were our hearts not burning? The heart and to have that heart tissue there, right there in this very holy church, when you walk in, it takes your breath away. It literally takes your breath away. You feel the holiness. You feel the presence of Jesus Christ. And then you go up on the altar to actually see the presence there in that heart tissue. And tell us more about it. It is phenomenal. When you go to Lanciano to see this, it's you know just the church on a random city street you would never think that there'd be a miracle within that church. To me, the heart is so symbolic, right? We often hear the phrase, the Eucharistic heart of Jesus. And here we see that the Eucharist is the heart of Jesus. You know, the heart, like you said, that's the biggest transition. You know, we hear in the Old Testament, 
change my heart from stone to flesh. <laughs> and here, right? From stone to flesh, and then we the flesh of Jesus being his heart. It, it's just incredible to see that and to know that this has been scientifically proven. This is written in a peer-reviewed journal on PubMed that this here was the heart of Jesus. And it's been preserved for over a millennia. Which is absolutely incredible. amazing. It is incredible. And it is, it is Jesus. Jesus in the God is the God of miracles. Jesus is the God of blessing. Jesus is the God of transformation. And that the bread transformed, the blood transformed into Jesus. As every Mass, you have that transformation into the real presence. He loves us so much that he's given us his body and his blood transformed into, as scripture says, his true body, his true blood. Ray, you have been chosen to be this evangelist to the world about the truth of the Eucharist. Tell us about how you received that calling. You know, I think that uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen is one of my favorite Christians ever. I mean, he's talking more about Jesus than anyone else. And then Scott, Dr. Scott Hahn's right behind him. But he says, oftentimes, Christ has to break someone's heart to get into it. <laughs> and, you know, and, and hearing you speak, this just came to me that so many of us have heartbreak. You know, whether it be relationships that aren't working out, you literally were dumped, so you're heartbroken. It brings such consolation when we go to Mass. And, you know, we literally say, Christ, I have a lot on my heart right now. Let me receive your heart and help change mine so that I can imitate you more. And I really think it's incredible that God has brought this all to light. All that I'm doing would not be possible without the work of so many. There's uh, Mike Willisy, Ron Tessaro. These, these are men that did the research. Dr. Ricardo Castagnon, Dr. Linoli. Now is the time for these miracles to be shown to the world because there's such skepticism now. And I really, if there are any medical professionals out there or any scientists who could help chime in and uncover this more, I think it's needed. Right now is the time where people really want to follow something, right? We see how polarized the world can become and, and is becoming. We need to have Christ as our leader. But for those that are so, you know, their faith is in science, it's going to take science to help bring them back to the true faith. I'm really grateful that God's used me and, and connected us to help share this message because I think it's so important. It is so critical that we understand from the earliest of times, Christians believed in the real presence from the time of the Last Supper. And obviously, when they began in the catacombs and different places, how many total miracles are there, as far as you know, Ray? Oh, I don't know how many there are. I know that there's a venerable, I think his name is Carlo Accus or something like that. And he went and compiled all the Eucharistic miracles. I think there are over 100 that are of different natures. Really, every Sunday, there are thousands of miracles going on at every Mass in the world. If we only humble ourselves to realize that the Eucharist can change our lives, right? We all want to be beacons of light in this darkness, and nothing will allow us to shine but the Eucharist. But when only 30-something percent of Catholics believe in that, <laughs> we won't make that difference. So it's obviously one person at a time, but we need to realize and are blessed through science to see the truth of the Eucharist. Now, what ramifications do these miracles have for us as Catholic Christians? They have quite an amount of ramifications. In one of these miracles, they found out that the piece of heart was from the left ventricle, which pumps blood to the rest of the body. 
so I was talking to this cardiologist, and I said, what happens if the left ventricle isn't working or you don't have your left ventricle? He says, you die. So in John 6:53, where he says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We literally see here that if you don't eat the Eucharistic heart of Jesus, the left ventricle that provides that life, you don't have that life. The ramifications that this has is that any non-Catholic out there, this shows that there's something miraculous happening within the Church. And it's not just once or twice. This is seen throughout the miracles. There are commonalities each of these miracles, and it shows the truth behind this. So maybe you've left the Church. Maybe I was hurt by someone in the Church. But Jesus is there in the Eucharist, and I need to receive Him to become the man or woman that He's made me to be. And that's a wrap on part one of this two-part series. Be sure to check out part two as Ray drops a cool Tim Tebow reference that you're sure to relate to. Catch up with all of our podcasts and exciting new media right here at this site. Or you can always pop over to spiritfilledhearts.org to learn more on what we're all about. Spiritfilledhearts.org We'll catch up with you next time with Deacon Steve and the team. This podcast is a ministry of Spirit-Filled Media, Incorporated. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.